Did you ever go travelling when you were younger and miss that connection to self? Do you have a yearning within to follow a more spiritual path? Is there a restless inside of you to break out and do something different? This week I caught up with Andrew Dunlop, who after a very successful career decided it was time to open himself up to the universe and follow a less structured and more spiritual path. Andrew has been travelling so far for over a year and a half and has not just covered the globe, but has journeyed deep within himself into topics such as relationship with family, masculinity, and his whole sense of self, and a lot, lot more. He's still on this journey, and I thought it'd be fun to catch up with him during rather than afterwards, and hence why I went out to Perth Airport, just to catch up with him before he hopped on a flight to go somewhere else. And while Andrew's journey per se may not be for everybody, the learnings he shares can be taken on by anybody, irrespective of where you are in life particularly learning to trust yourself and trust in your own capability that when something happens, you'll be good enough to meet the challenge. So enjoy your journey with Andrew. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Some of us are internally compelled to change tracks and follow a more spiritually focused and led journey to explore who we are and what we are. This is what I'm going to be going deep into today with today's guest, Andrew Dunlop. Andrew's had a different and varied life, and we're going to dig into that more in this conversation. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. There you go. So, um, for the listeners out there, we are actually sitting in Terminal 4 right now (laughs) at Perth Airport. Let it not be said that WA Real doesn't get out and about. Um, So, what's your connection to Western Australia, and why are you here now, and why did you come? Um, So, I've been to uh, WA a couple of times. most of it's been for sport, um, yep. uh, play underwater hockey. Underwater so hockey, yeah. There's a lot of tournaments that they hold over. Um, the national champs have been over here a few times, down in Bunbury. Actually, the beginning of the Sierra is in Perth itself for the national champs. Um, and my uncle lives uh, kind of just out of Perth. So I've been to visit him. My parents have come over and we've, we've done like a driving tour of WA. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy it. It's a really cool place. Yeah. What sort of, what's the sort of vibe that you get from here? What are the things you enjoy most? Um, this time has actually been quite different. I'm here for work, um, and I really like the openness of it. Like, yeah. There's not, my experience hasn't been like intense amounts of traffic. Um, I live in Sydney, so it's you know there's a lot more traffic over there, um, and it just I don't know it feels clean and open and airy. Mm. It doesn't feel dense, and I like that about it. Super. Yeah. So let's just set the scene here. So you were born and raised in Africa. Yes, that's right. Um, Raised as a Jehovah's Witness. That is correct. And um, you've worked in sort of high-end audiovisual software. Yes. Uh, in Sydney. Uh, you've also been a Bollywood actor. I have, yes. That's quite a claim <laughs> to find. You um, represented Australia in the underwater hockey as a hockey player. That's correct. And you've done a, numerous other stuff. Yeah. And then about a year and a half ago, you embarked on what we consider a bit of a spiritual adventure. Yes. Is that right? That is correct. So... Um, I'm going to be asking you sort of two questions. Where have you been and where have you been? Yeah. Okay. Um, the second one being on a slightly more deeper level. Yeah. But just to, for the listeners, give us an idea of you've been off traveling around the world on this adventure as well. Just give me an idea of where have you been? Um, so I started off flying into uh, Indonesia. I went to Bali. Yep. Uh, I spent a couple of weeks in Bali. I then flew across to Jakarta and did the Pashna. So, um, from there, I flew back to um, Bali. I, there was an underwater hockey com- competition. 
Um, I went to Thailand for a month. I spent, in that month, I did an internship in an eco-village. So it was uh, you know, living in community, um, natural building techniques, permaculture, deep ecology. Mm. And you get up at 5 a.m. and it'll go through till you know, 9 o'clock at night. Um, really intense, but only for that month period. Yeah. Um, after that, I went to India. I spent six months traveling around India, doing a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, I then went to Africa. I wasn't going to, uh, the plan wasn't to go back to Africa, but it just kind of flowed that way. Um, and I ended up going to a big festival, Burning Man equivalent. Yep. It's called Africa Burn. Uh, and we built one of the largest structures uh, ever built uh, at this festival. Yeah. Um, I then went up to Europe. My parents live in Scotland. I visited them. Uh, I spent some time in Switzerland. Uh, a friend of mine had some work, so I worked a bit over there. And then from there, I flew to the US. I went to a big festival, which was uh, Oregon Eclipse. So full solar eclipse, which was one of the... Wow, it was amazing. Yeah, can imagine. Um, and then I went to Burning Man. It wasn't the plan. It kind of just weirdly happened it's on the last the day. Burning Man festival. The big one, yeah. Yes. Um, and then traveled around California for a while. Uh, a friend of mine lives over there, and he mm. lent me his minivan. Um, and then I came back, mm. back to, back to uh, Australia. And just, and just for the listeners, you, you're not fresh out of university on a gap year doing this. <laughs> no, no. No. How old are you? I'm 36. 36. Yeah. So, in order to go on this journey, yep. you must have had some sort of an awakening of some sort. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, how, how did that come about? What did it look and feel like? And, and what was it that actually spurred you to say, right, I, I need to go off, I need to go and do this? Yeah. So, what had happened, I don't know, it's kind of interesting how life works out. And um, I had a few things happened to me doing spiritual things like I I suppose joining a men's group is not spiritual but mm. the experience that I had in that joining the men's group was a spiritual experience for so me you joined a men's group previous it, to this in uh, Sydney this is in Sydney yeah yeah um and I also so the men's group was really I had um basically what we do is we'd go and rent a house in mm. the middle of a forest um we would eat organic foods there'd be no um, alcohol we go get up in the morning, go for runs, and then we would sit and share information, talk about what it means to be a man, yep. you know, in this world, and, and talk about how we have these conditioned beliefs. We went through Carl Jung's archetypes, right? Um, and it was pretty crazy. I had this experience on the last day of a, one of these weekend retreats, and we were doing uh, an EFT session, so it's emotional freedom technique. So you tap certain parts of your body, yes, and you repeat a. Like we were following a, a lady who was doing a presentation at Burning Man. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff happening. Um, and you had to say, I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. And we were breathing. And my whole body started going crazy. And my arms felt like there was stuff flowing out mm. of my hands. Wow. So I kept on shaking my hands and pulling the stuff out of my hands. I, could, I couldn't, I didn't really understand what it was. And it kept building and building and building. And at one point I just stopped. And my friend who was facilitating the weekend, he walked up and gave me a hug. And as he did, I just exploded in tears mm. and I cried and I felt like this massive thing had been lifted off me. I felt like this new person. It was really bizarre. But the thing that was crazy was that mm. when I looked in the mirror, I didn't recognize who I saw. I physically changed how I saw myself through right. that process. In what sort of way? I, I can't really describe it. Like my features had changed. The way yeah. I saw my features were different. The way I perceived them. Um, and I felt like this weight had been lifted off of me. It was, I would say that was a spiritual experience for me, you yes. know, like it was really bizarre. 
um, I lost five kgs and I didn't change my diet or how I exercised. Like that. It just it was almost like something had opened up. Right. Um, Reiki, I always thought was mumbo jumbo. Again at a men's weekend, I saw a guy go into an NLP session, so neuro linguistic programming. Yep. They took him back to a, an event in his past with his father. Yeah. Um, and he came out of this is a friend that I had introduced to the men's weekend, and he he looked like he hadn't slept in a week after this NLP session. He was really all over the place, a bit scatty. He was he couldn't focus. Yeah. And somebody said one of the guys was like, "Can I give you some Reiki? Can I do a Reiki session with you?" And he was his wife practices Reiki, so he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." And then I watched this other friend of mine do a body scan over him. And as he got to his sort of chest area, his arms locked and he started shaking. And I could see the veins popping out of his arms as he was standing there over my friend. And then he kind of like fell back and he was like, wow, was like, there was a lot of energy coming out of him. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. And then my friend who was lying down, who had been all out of it, got up and looked like he had had 10 hours sleep. He was fresh. He was sharp. He was there. And the transformation was unbelievable. You know, and it, I kind of was like, wow, if I hadn't witnessed that, I would never have believed it. You know, and that really opened me up to these mm. these things, you know. Um, what made you go on this men's weekend out of interest? A friend invited me. Simple as that. The, and it's really weird because the guy who invited me has actually, he's a, he played a very massive part in me moving and like transitioning out and like experiencing these things. Mm. And he was a project manager at a company I was working for in Sydney. And we didn't really like connect. And on my last day of work, we had this really amazing conversation and then I didn't see him again. And we swapped swapped numbers and then out of the blue, he messaged me and he was like, and I suppose it's okay to talk about it, but he he said to me, would you like to come to a weekend, to a ceremony on the weekend? So on the Monday, he phoned me and what it was, was an ayahuasca ceremony. Yes. And I went with him to the ceremony and again, it had like a huge impact on me. Mm. Um, I've had many guests on the show who talked about it. Yeah. And... Like, so he, I sort of look at him as somebody who's been a, a big part of that. And so when he said to me, would you like to come on, you know, this men's group that I've started, would you like to come along? And it, it's tailored off the Mankind Project. Yes. Um, so he had been a few, on yeah. a few weekends. You know about it? Yeah, I've had a previous guest that's been on it and gone on to do Men's Rights Passage. So, yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And after that, and this is a bit of a crazy story. I was in Sydney in the office, corporate um, and there was a lady who worked with us. She didn't work for our company, but their mm. offices were shared. <laughs> and she came in the one day and I was like, wow, you look a bit different. I haven't seen you in a while. Like, Are you okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. She's like, I've just gone and done a vision quest. And I was like, what's a vision quest? And so she explained what it was. And I was like, wow, I really want to do one of these. Like, I, I really think it's something I want to do. And she was she gave me the person's details. And I didn't get end up getting hold of this person, but... A week later, I get a phone call from my brother, who lives in Melbourne, and he says, do you want to come and do a vision quest with me? Wow. And I'm like, yes. Yes, 100%. Something's telling me something. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was there was a shaman that was flying over from North America. He's part of the Lakota Indian tribe. Mm. And he came over and he facilitated a vision quest. Um, and it's a really crazy experience. Um, there's a lot of like ins and outs that happen around it, but... Basically, what you do is they take you and put you in a sweat lodge. Then they take you up in, into the mountainside. We did in the Blue Mountains um, outside Sydney. Uh, he gives you a rock, the most uncomfortable rock you can find, away from everybody. So you, there's people around you, but you can't see them. And he puts a barrier around it. And then you have to sit on that rock for four days and four nights. 
you're not allowed a tent, you're not allowed any covering, you, you have a sleeping bag to keep warm and warm clothing, um, and for four days and four nights you have no food and no water. You just sit and you've got to be there with it. Um, and then it pulls you out and you go straight into sweat lodge again, and then that, that's the end of the ceremony type thing. But the impacts that had on me as a person and how I navigated the world and how I saw the world and the, the strength that I never knew that I had was amazing. And so, I can imagine being left in a small little area, sit on a rock, do nothing else. I mean, that's tantamount to the Buddha sitting underneath the tree for days, Jesus going out, starving on wild locusts and honey for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's a pattern. Yeah, 100%. And in the technique. Yes. And be, when you sit there, you just, you and your mind. Um, the other weird thing that happened was there was a lady who was um, she was a transpersonal psychologist and she was helping so there's a group of people that sort of hold camp for you basically Mm. and she asked afterwards if she could do use me as a case study um, for the experience and do people come and talk to you while you're in your little space not like to say a word four days four days four nights no no contact at all Um, I mean the guy obviously there's a duty of care he would come and check on you but you there was no words you would, you would kind of look and that's fine um, yeah as in, as in thumbs up yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so what I realized was these things that I was doing these events that I was going to and these things mm. that were helping me deepen my connection to myself they I had two options I could keep working mm. corporate you know doing my 9 to 5 job and doing this in little bits and pieces or I could quit my job and go and do it full time, because I, I knew that the repercussions of doing like doing these things was actually making me feel more whole as a person. You know, they were they were unraveling me in a in a way that was really quite amazing. Um, mm. And so I wanted to step into that. I wanted to embrace it and be like, "Let's go! Mm. I, I'm ready." You know, was it a scary thing doing that? Was there what, were there any doubts, nagging? stuff like that going on or was it super clear this is where I need to go based on those experiences I mean what was amazing is I didn't have a set plan I knew that I wanted to do certain things and I only booked so when I left I knew I, I booked Vipassana in Jakarta mm. and I was like cool the, the flights to Bali are cheap and what I did is I just let myself like I surrendered into the experience I didn't yeah. know what was going on I wouldn't plan ahead but things would pop up and I'd be like that, that feels like I want to do that or that feels like it's going to be in alignment with what I'm wanting I'm to achieve. I'm going to ask you about that a bit more, a bit later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's what caused me to to go on this journey. So, like I said earlier on, where have you been on the journey and where have you been on the journey? Yeah. Um, one of the things that's become apparent to me during the podcast is that there's almost like a process in this journey. Yeah. The process of taking you somewhere. The journey is almost like the story upon which you go. And I think the further I go and explore this, the more I start to see patterns in the process. Yeah. Although the, the journeys and the stories sound different. Yeah. So, what were, if we go into the journey part, mm. what was, over the last year and a half, what are some of the major themes that have popped up and, and that you've had to go and explore? So... I suppose one of the things... Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things was around sexuality. 
yeah you know what is intimacy and i i read a book just before i left on tantra and i was like right i want to know more about this because i don't feel like we don't get that training in life right no you know we we get the, the places where we get taught about these things are and they're unrealistic they're not you know you talk to your mates you talk to you, you look at porn you know like things that are yeah. not healthy and they don't teach you how to you really handle a book at school that's impenetrable yeah <laughs> pun, pun. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so i was like that's one of the things that i wanted to do so i, mm. I went to and studied tantra in yeah. india um yoga yeah i think like that the, those aspects were the things that i found really helped me um meditation is another one that's really important mm. that i felt has really helped and i've had some pretty amazing experiences in that process um yeah yeah does that answer your question yeah i guess um i guess i was looking at i'm aware that you've ended up having to journey into some of your connections within your family yeah. you've had to connection into yourself as a man yeah so these are the sort of i guess they're the sort of themes that i was yep. thinking of yeah what are some of the the major themes over the year and a half you've really had to dig into for yourself to define yep. for yourself yeah responsibility for your choices in that yeah um so the other one obviously is like around family mm. um, and that one's been probably the biggest of all of them um, and it's been really confronting um what i've it's also crazy how it's unfolded. Um, and I'll give you an example of this. Um, so having been raised as a Jehovah's witness, um, it, it has a, I can see the fruits of it. I can see the positive aspects of it, yeah. but I can also see there's a, a fair bit of negative aspects. Um, mm. and my relationship with my mom, um, has been, I think when we when we look at our parents, we think that our relationships, every relationship has issues, right? We all have problems. Yeah. There's there's you know conflict or whatever, but ultimately you love that person and you you work through it, um, and that's the story that I've always told. Um, when I was in India, this process kind of changed a bit. So, and the way it did was really bizarre. I was riding my scooter down a road between two villages, and I had this overwhelming urge to stop and offer somebody a lift. And I stopped next to this guy and I said, do you want a lift? And he just kind of like reeled back and looked at me and he was like, he nodded, didn't say a word and got on the back of my scooter. And I was, it was a bit bizarre. So I just kept riding. And I was like, okay, well, it is what it is, you know? And he would tap me on the shoulder and point and we stopped outside his ashram. <clears throat> and he said to me, I don't know why you stopped and picked me up. But that second that you stopped, I was asking for help because I didn't feel I could physically make it back to my ashram. And you stopped next to me. And he said, I feel that I need to tell you what I've just been to and you need to go and do it. And he had been to this guy who does a emotional breathwork, sorry, emotional trigger point massage with a breathwork integrated into it. And so I was like, that's what I need to do. So I booked in with this guy the next day and wow, like it was unbelievable. Um, in what well, <coughs> I don't know if you've done breathwork before, if you've had any experience. Not really. Okay, so all it is is you're breathing, and you yeah. breathe intensely um, for a long period of time. And he would then be massaging pressure points that would hold tension, so in your jaw, in your legs, in your feet. Um, and you go into another realm. You almost like you, you go somewhere else. And it took me an hour to come back. Like I was, it's almost, I feel like your body, your conscious mind shuts off, and it allows your body to process 
things that you, you haven't allowed it to. Mm. So it's, it's kind of like, I call it because I scuba dive, I would say it's like off gassing. Like yeah. it, it allows you to burn off things that are there. Yes. Um, in the subconscious. And, and what happened was I, after that, I went up into a, a cafe and I was sitting there and I started journaling. And what I journaled was about my family and about my relationship with my parents. And it was a story that I've never, I had never ever thought about. It was just, the stuff just flowed out of me. It was really bizarre. And, mm. and I didn't really understand what it was. Um, fast forward four months later, I find myself booking a flight to Scotland to go and spend time with my parents. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand why I'm doing it. I know that it feels like mm. I should be there and I don't, there's no, so I go and I spend time with my parents and it, it was a very, um, difficult situation. Like, uh, I realized, and it was things that, uh, that was happening, like, in my journey, I was studying nonviolent communication. Um, and I try to use those principles in, in how I communicated with my mom, you know, making clear requests and um, not like telling her how I'm feeling. And she kept on shutting me down and not seeing me. And, and I, I felt I didn't understand what was going on. And I was really hurt. And I was, you know, at one point I went to her and I was like, I don't understand why I'm so angry. I don't know where this anger is coming from. But, you know, I can't communicate with you. And it's frustrating. And, um, and then, there were some things that were said that she said to me that were really quite confronting and things I would never have expected my mom to ever say to me. Um, and it just felt really wrong. And I was, she dropped me off and she was like, you're a complete failure. And she, which is really funny because, you know, I financially have given my parents quite a lot and I've really been there to support them. Um, and I was like, wow, just because I'm not part of their religious circle, I felt like there was a lot of uh, guilt and shame being put on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I shut down. I was like, I'm not prepared to communicate. Like, because the next day she sent me this email, this message going, Hey love, how are you? And completely like flipped mm. on me. Um, yeah. And again, I didn't understand it, but I was like, I'm not, I don't, I'm going to choose not to engage in this. Yeah. You know, I wasn't caught in the um, drama, the drama of what it was. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and then we fast forward, maybe another three months, four months and I'm back in Australia and I have a bunch of stuff happen and I'm sitting and I'm like, I think I know how to address it. I'm going to sit down and write a letter. And in the process of writing a letter, I was fortunate to be with a friend who was house sitting this amazing house in Sydney. And I sat there and I was talking about the letter that I was writing with my friend. And she was like, the stuff you're describing sounds like emotional abuse. And I was like, no, completely negated it. I'm like, that's not a hundred percent, you know? And then I turned around and I, a couple of days later, I'm sitting there and I was writing, like, let me go and look at this. And I looked at what the definition of emotional abuse was. And I just sat and cried and cried. I like, it it was like, Oh my God, you know, this is what I've grown up with, like Mm. through my life, you know? And it's weird because you don't think, you don't think of those actions as being emotionally abusive, you know, being shouted at, being like not being listened to. I'm your parent. I know what the answer is. You know, you need to listen to what I'm saying. You know, I've been on this earth longer than you. Like all these things that were really yeah. negating me as a person mm. and, and who I but was. All, the, all these things which have probably been modeled generations and generations before. Mm-hmm. how to be a good parent. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I looked at that and there was an amazing book that I read by John Bradshaw called The Family. Right. And everybody should read that book because it's it shows... It really explains it in clear ways how we hand our dysfunction onto our through the generations. You know, I don't blame my parents. You know, I, I look back at their 
um, their history, where mm. they come from, what their parents were like, what they went through, you know, and, and they're just passing on that idea of what it is to be human, you know. Yeah. This is how you should give love. The role of parent, role of adult. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And ha- how we give love and how we receive love. But what was really amazing through this journey of like discovering it and understanding it on a deeper level, I realized that the way that I was behaving was the same as what they were behaving. Right. And so super confronting. But it was weird because it changed for me. I didn't feel like I was a bad person. I was like, my conditioning, I never had a chance because I've been conditioned to behave in that way. As has everybody. Exactly. Done before. Yeah. But the thing that was really powerful is that we have the choice to stop it. Yes. As soon as I had that realization, I'm like, great. I'm not going to pass this on to my kids. Mm. You know, I'm going to try my best to deal with it and work through it and integrate myself into myself. You know, and I, it's amazing because they talk about the, um, what's the word John Virtual uses? It's, it's like the trap or the, um, the story that you, you tell and that's, you get stuck in that. Like that's mm. who you are and that's your role and that's your place. We define ourselves by the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And you can choose to change that story. Absolutely. Um, and that's what, that was the mm. most empowering thing that I, I realized, you know. Mm. And, and, and without like, chucking out loads of other quotes, I've heard Tony Robbins talk about, you know, if you heal the boy, you'll heal the man. Agreed. And, and sometimes, as much as we, you know, we, we don't want to get all Sigmund Freud on, on life, you know, we do carry a lot of baggage from a childhood that just plays out in lots and lots of different ways at a very deep level that we don't kind of understand. Yeah. And I suppose what you've done there is allowed yourself the space and opportunity for this to bubble up. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've, I've come out of the trance, like, because the story, like, the, the relationship that I have with my mom, like, yeah. one of the things was, I feel like she was surrogate parenting, you know, like, I became the replacement parent. She would share information with me that was not to be shared with kids, you know, like, she would be like, you're the only person I can speak to, you're the only person that I can, uh, that I trust with this information. And so, mm. it, it's like, I, I be, it was an obligation I almost had to look after her, to, yeah. to be that person for her. And now I don't feel that, you know. I realize that the that what's playing out is not normal and it's not okay. Mm. Um, and I've had to draw that boundary. I've, and, and I've done it in a very loving, the lovingest way I know how, you know. Yeah. I've made it clear that I don't blame them for what's happened because I know that they were not in control of that. <clears throat> and I said, all I want to do is from now on work on having a relationship with you, like to be able to, you to see me as a person, as a, a man, you know, yeah. not as your child. Um and to respect me. And unfortunately, she hasn't been able to do that. You know, her sort of response is that, oh, you speak in such language I don't understand. I can't understand. Or my memory's failing me. I don't know. Like, I don't remember anything you're talking about. On the surface, it sounds convenient. 100%. Mm. And it's hard. But I feel very strong in that. And I'm sticking to my, you know, like, that's that's who I am. And mm. I can feel that strongly. And I'm, I'm not going to bend for somebody else because this is... This is what I've nurtured, you know? Yeah. Um, and there comes a point where you you realize what your negotiables and your non-negotiables are and, and who you are and the response and the choices that you make mm-hmm. and the responsibility of those choices that you make. Mm-hmm. And then you have to act upon them and be accountable, yep. ultimately, to yourself. Yes. Well, I think for me, that's been the, one of the big takeaways from this journey is that the biggest gift we can give the world 
is to work on ourselves. Hmm. Because I feel like a lot of people and a lot of things we do in society is about, oh, I'm going to help that person. I'm going to help this person. And you you use them as distractions to get away from facing your own stuff. Hmm. You know, Which you went head on into in the vision class. Yeah. And, and it's confronting. It is. But it's also probably one of the most empowering, enabling things you can ever do. You know, and it doesn't, it, it may sound like it's a big thing to do, but it's... It's four days of your life. Well, yeah. Yeah. From time to time, I, you know, I do a five-day fast. Oh, I can't do that. It's five days out of 365. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of ironic. You know, I think as, as humans, we, if somebody had to say to you, I kind of come up with this analogy that if you had to go and for a year, for four hours a day, go and stand on the edge of a cliff and stand there... But you had to do it for a year, every single day. And you couldn't be late. You had to do the whole yep. thing. You would have financial freedom for the rest of your life. How many people would take the time off to do that? You know, how many people, you know, how many people would, would do that? And I, I look at it in, in the reverse. Like, I know that if I address the things that are causing pain in my life, if mm. I look at those and I set up good, healthy habits, then that's going to change my life in the positive way. Mm. And why do I? Why would I wait to do that? Why not just embrace that now? Do it now. Yeah, because yeah. It's, because it's going to make you better, and you're going to have a much more fulfilled life through the rest of it. Mm. And be more successful in whatever you choose to do. Yeah, and you don't have to travel to different countries to do it. You no. can do it right here. You know, yeah. these things are here. Like the, it's. I feel like and this is one of the this is one of the reasons why I was really keen to do the podcast. Yeah, it's because for a reason or another, not everybody's motivated or can go and do. I'll be back in a year and a half or whatever. I feel like it. Where are you going? Oh, somewhere. Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have to podcast today is you don't have to go and do that. What are the things you can do now? Yeah. And I think for me that really showed with when you set an intention, when you go, this is what I want to consciously actively work towards doing. Yes. These things will come to you. Hmm. You know, that's what I find really amazing is that in your day-to-day meeting of people, in, in the connections you make there. Things that you are conscious of and you put attention to. Yes. You know, you have a conversation and then next thing you meet somebody who's in a line, you're like they, they're speaking about the same thing you've been speaking about. You're like, well, how does that happen? You know, you meet somebody and you're like, wow, like I wanted to go and do a vision quest. My brother phones me. You know, like, like what are the chances of that happening? It, it's, it, it blows my mind. And I kind of, for me, I feel that there is a, another force at work, you know, another, like the, there's the fabric of life is, is being woven as we speak, you know, as we live. Mm. Um, and so we can choose what that looks like, what that tapestry comes out. What are some of the other, um, things that might have bubbled up in the time that we've allowed the space? Obviously we've just gone deep on the relationship with the mother. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting experience that I had working at Burn. So I joined a project and ended up taking up quite a key role in the project. Mm. And that there was a situation, there was a moment where I was feeling the old frustrations that I'd felt when I was working corporate. Right. And it was completely not corporate. And what did they look and feel like? Well, it was frustrations around process and, and things having to be ordered and, you know, lost like inefficiencies in how we were operating. Um, but it was a really beautiful moment because I was able to go, okay, this is me in two very different separate situations, but I'm feeling these same frustrations. I'm like, I've got an issue. Like when you're, I feel like when you feel those, it's something you need to address within yourself. 
Like, why are we frustrated? And I realized that perfectionism is something that I hold, like, I, mm. and, and I use that to sort of maybe hide behind to a certain degree. Like, I expect it to be done right. And if you don't do it right, you know, I'm going to be like, well, why aren't you? I'm going to be indignant about it. And I've had to really work on that and go, it doesn't have to be 100%. Mm. You know, it's okay if it's like this. Um, where's the where's the trade-off there between striving for perfection which, and just having good high standards that you hold yourself accountable to? I would say communication. So in that situation, you know, the job didn't have to be, it was an art piece. Yes. People were able to be, you know, I can understand it was a heavily process driven and there was a lot of stuff, but there was an artwork that we were yeah. building. So it's open to freedom of expression. It's open to how people want to interpret that. So mm. I needed to let go of, but, but you're right. It's a, it's a fine line. It is. I feel. Yeah. So we've been into just a couple of, th- into a couple of themes that yep. if we look at the, some of the process that you've been through. Yeah. Have you noticed commonalities with certain issues in terms of how they pop up, how you follow them, how you have worked on them, how you've gained insights and moved on from them in terms of how does Andrew go through these things and themes? So, does like, that make sense? Yeah, I think I understand, so I'm going to try and answer it, um, but let me know if I don't. Yeah. Um, it's trusting in the flow. That's what I've been doing. So yeah. if I don't know what's next, if I don't know what I need to do next or how it needs to look, I'll just hold back and I'll just literally just be okay with where I am and what I'm doing. Yeah. And then invariably, I'll keep looking. I'll like put my feelers <clears throat> out, but I wouldn't, I don't force things. I just kind of let them flow. Um, yeah. And does that answer your question? Is it like mm. that flow state that we can get into? And then what normally happens will they arrive and then it's like, right, this is it. And you feel it and that's your compass. You've got to go. Yes. So it's tuning into that internal compass. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I've got a few examples of that. Uh, I was in, in in India and I was looking at where I needed to go next or what I was going to do next and there was nothing was clear um, and I was like Nepal, Sri Lanka and random, not random, I got a message from a friend that I met in Bali. Hey, how are you doing? Haven't heard from you in a while and they were like, you know, I'm sitting up, she was running a theme camp at Africa Burn she was like, oh, I'm sitting up for this theme camp and I'm like, oh, let me have a look at that. So I phoned a good friend of mine who I grew up with uh, in South Africa and asked him about Africa Burn. He had been to the festival. He knew. And I was like, he goes, that's really weird that you just phoned me. I'm sitting in the offices and I've just started working, doing all their IT for them. Yeah. He goes, hold on. Makes a couple, like speaks to a few people. He comes back. He's like, I can get you a free ticket and you can work to help with like the, the main organization of it. And I was like, okay. And then we looked at flights and flights were $300 return $300 from Mumbai to Cape Town and I was like okay that's like that's a clear sign everything just folds and and unfolds in the right way yeah I mean even like me sitting here now um you know I I was in Europe and I was like things weren't working I'm like ah I think I need to go back to Australia like I feel this call to go back Mm. and a good friend of mine what does that feel feel like and where is it and what is it it feels, how to describe a feeling? Wow. Um, it feels easy. Yeah. It feels like. Is it like in the chest, the stomach, the head? I would say chest. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, yes. It's like, it, uh, it, it doesn't, so let's maybe think about it. If you, 
if you're sitting there and you've just had a meal and you're like, oh, I really feel like a ice cream. And you're like, yeah, I really feel like ice cream. Or if they were offering you, you know, a cheese sandwich or, you know, a hamburger and you just had a big meal, you'd be like, no, that doesn't, I don't feel like I want that. Yeah. And it's kind of like that same thing. It's like, I, looking at the options mm. and what, what it is and be like, ah, oh, actually, yes, this feels right. And so what I do in those situations and in that situation was I, I would look, I was like, do I want to go to India? Do I want to go to South America? Do I like, why do I want to go to those places? And I was like, feel into them, you know, like, is that what I feel like now is, you know, can I visualize yeah. myself in that space? Um, yeah. And then coming to Australia, I messaged a friend that I went to university with her husband's a project manager. He had some work going, building water towers. I've never built water towers in my life, but you know, I've done a bit of construction. And mm. so I flew in and a week later I started a job in Tasmania. Um, and then I had a few days off and I flew to Perth and that's why I'm here. I've been building water tiles. <laughs> Super. Yeah. Um, but I think being open to the process, like being open to it, like I could have gone, well, I've got a degree in electronic engineering. I don't want to go and build water towers. You know, I want a, a corporate job, but I'm in the opposite now. I don't want to go and be tied down to a, yeah. you know, a, a massive contract. I want to have mm. the freedom to, to allow that to, to flow. And I'm not saying I wouldn't do a corporate job, you know, if, if that comes around and that feels right, then I'm going to go into it, you know? Yeah. But it's kind of, yeah, it doesn't. So, <laughs> mm. What sort of things have you had to let go of and what sort of things have you had to sort of bring in? So it, it takes a bit of time traveling around. Like you literally have one backpack and that's all your stuff. Um, I think the process of, letting go of my stuff was a big one and it was actually really liberating. Mm. I found stuff was just, you don't really need to have it and you don't need a lot to survive. Um, I haven't had a house or a, an apartment or a, you know, a room for two, over two years now, you know, and that I thought that would have been a lot and quite difficult, you know, like to have your own space and <clears> your own <throat> thing. There's moments of it, but I haven't really, that attachment that I feel to having, hasn't really been like a huge thing. Right. Um, so learning to live with not a, not a lot and, and you actually realize how little you can live on. You can survive, yeah. you know, you can actually thrive on actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think letting go of possessions um, and spending time by yourself, I think that's been a really nice, mm. like it's been quite good um, meeting amazing people, you know, and, strangely you don't really understand how and when but you yeah you just find yourself in these situations um sometimes you pinch yourself and go how did i find myself here um at burning man we camped with the crew that were building the 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 temple um and they had built multiple you know installations at burning man and sitting in san francisco at a um, day of the dead evening with these people that are really high profile, they own all the ferry services in San Francisco, you know, their own software companies made billions of dollars. And I'm like, I'm some random guy, you know, like I'm not, I'm not big in the corporate world or whatever. And I'm sitting in these people's houses having, you know, having drinks with them. And I'm like, yeah. how do I find myself here? You know, <laughs> Indeed. but amazing, you know, like really, really cool. Um, and that, I feel that outweighs, the things you have to sacrifice, you know, i.e. having your own house, you know, mm. the security of a steady income. Um, yeah. Mm. On to your question? Yeah. So if we 
if somebody's listening to this and you know it's just after like, you know, a couple of kids a house and, and and they're happy with that yet they want to go and journey into the self more given you've learned hmm. to try and sort of condense it down into some sort of what would you suggest this that and the other what sort of things would you suggest so I suppose getting clarity on what you want yes. so that's the important thing for me because once you set that intention you go I I'm not happy about this aspect I want to work on that and then actively seeking out avenues on how you can do it mm. um, so if you want to you know discover more about yourself and you can like look for a vision quest or look for a meditation retreat or go and start doing yoga, you know, do things that are outside of your comfort zone that sort of like test you a little bit yes. and, and make that commitment to yourself. You know, I want to, I, I feel like I need to grow Yeah, and growing. Take responsibility. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it is. It's taking responsibility. Um, and as I said, I think that's the greatest gift that we can give anybody, you know, our families, because if we work, if you have anger issues and you never address them, that just adds, like that just passes that mm. on, you know, like it's not healthy. But if you go, I don't want to have anger issues, I'm not saying it's going to change overnight for you, you know, but once you start actively taking that, um, the steps to, to addressing it, it's going to start slowly start like shifting. Mm. Um, one of the crazy things that happened to me was, uh, and I've never been a big drinker, and um, but after India, I, I lost my appetite for alcohol. Mm. You know, I was like, I just, I went and you, I went and I had a beer, and I was like, I actually don't like this. You know, and and the same with meat. I was, I became vegetarian, um, and again, I was the biggest meat eater. But it wasn't hard. Yeah, it, it felt like the right thing to do. You know, like I look at a steak and I'm like, yeah, like it smells nice, but I I've tried to have some meat. And yeah, I eat it and I'm like, actually, this doesn't. Um, it doesn't work for me, you know. Mm. Um, but I didn't have—I didn't have to force it to happen. I didn't go. This is what needs to happen. Um, and so I think that sometimes addressing the issue face-on is not necessarily always the best way. Um, as, as you mean. Well, it's like if I said I want to stop drinking, you know, mm. and I'm like, I'm going to force that away. I don't want it. Sometimes that's not the best way to do yes. it. You know, it's like when you look at the root cause of why you're drinking then you unpack that, the drinking will fall away naturally. Yes. So I Rather think, than having this battle of willpowers yes. with an, an unseen source which is generating the need to drink, 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 whatever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. And there's, i found that there's, um, it's interesting because I found with something, well, there were two different approaches to, to making changes mm. for me. One is go and do the inner work and mm. then, like you said, the need to do something will just fall away or just do and do and do and do and do habitually until you're sending this message to the place that that's coming from yeah like, this is done now and then you just create you so yeah but then that can sometimes take an amount of willpower get up and do get up and do get up and do yeah well I suppose it's what motivates you right mm. why do you want to change and that's what you need to look at and if the motivation is there then the willpower will come you know, if you're motivated enough. Um, but I know, you know, when you when you have habits that are not healthy, um, you know that, that it isn't healthy for you. Um, 
abstaining from those habits doesn't necessarily shift the desire for them, mm. you know. And even if you do have the willpower, it's like you could not do it for a year, but then you fall into that, you know, and it just re-kicks off that cycle again. Yeah. Um, whereas, I, yeah, so, I, I don't know. That's my opinion mm. on the, tra- the trade-offs of the two. What do you think, um, what do you think life would be like if more people took a bit of time out to work themselves out? I mean, I, I said... I was interviewed once at someone else's podcast and I sort of said, you know, I think it's, um, it's almost like a necessity that everybody spends at least 20 minutes a day being such introspective and curious with that. Yeah, I, I think that's really powerful. Um, sometimes that label of 20 minutes a day yeah. can also, uh, I think people set unrealistic goals sometimes for that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be long, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. Two minutes. Just, just taking that time out. Um, and I know that... What would you think life would be like if, if more people did it? I think there would be a very big shift in, in the world, for sure. Yeah. I think we, we're so numbed out by all the stimulation around us. Um, people, for one, feel very uncomfortable when they do do it. Um, but, it, you know, by doing it, I think it's the biggest gift you can give anybody, yourself mm. and the world, because it's going to impact. Mm. It's going to flow through, you know. And you'll be su- one thing that I've also been really surprised about is how people have received it. You know, when I was, and this actually blew my mind, when I was leaving on my trip, what somebody that I know approached me and they were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? <coughs> you know, you, you need to buy a house. You need to get married. You need to settle down. And, and it was really confronting. I was like, wow. And if, I know that if I had said to that person, I am... I'm going to Africa and I'm going to drive from Cape Town to, to Cairo. They would have been like, wow, that's amazing. You know, that's really cool. You're doing something. Yeah, because you're doing something and you, and it's something that they don't understand. It's the same as when I was, you know, I stopped drinking and I, I stopped, like I, I would go in meditation retreats and my friends would come and be like, are you okay? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I find it quite interesting that now that I'm doing this stuff, that you're more concerned about me. But when I was going out and getting drunk every night and writing myself off, you didn't, you didn't come and have a word with me then, you know? It's kind of like the priorities and the, the perspectives yeah. of people are a little bit skewed. Um, and it would be confronting to them because you're doing something different. That's the thing, right? And since I've gone on that and since people have seen, I've had so many people come and ask me questions. Like, what are you doing? What are you reading? What's happening, you know? And, and I feel Where's like... Where's Andrew now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's weird because you also have... I was in Canada for the world champs and I met um, a woman who's from WA and she came to me and she said, you're the guy that inspired me to go and do my yoga teacher training in India. <coughs> I just met her, but it was through people telling stories about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that had got back to her and she was like, oh, I really want to go and do that. Cool. And she booked her flights and she went and did it. And she said she had the most amazing time. So by us taking these steps, we actually inspire other people to do mm. that for themselves as well. You know, I think, um, Often we sit around waiting for our, waiting for something to happen, mm. waiting for our friends to move on, and hope we can go along with them. Yeah, and then sometimes you just, you just got to go to where you want to be and be the beacon. Yeah, and that's it. And you do like by taking those twenty minutes for yourself, you start that start shining your light. You know, mm. yeah, in a specific area as yeah. opposed to scattered everywhere. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. focusing your energy. Mm. So what's the next um, 
two to three to four years look like for Andrew? <laughs> is I the journey still on or is it I feel like shape or is it? I feel like the journey is still on. Um, yeah. I do feel like it's going to change shape. And I am... I feel like there's something... Like I haven't really properly connected to what I'm offering, you know, the world, but I feel mm. like I'm... It's it's a birthing process, and all of these steps are helping me. You know, I've been really big into like self development and understanding. You know, why we do the things we do, and I feel like I've got a, quite a broad body of knowledge, and I'd really like to go into helping people to see that for themselves. So some sort of coaching role. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that that's why I hope to see mm. myself going into. Yeah. Have you become clearer on what is your purpose and what are your gifts? I definitely feel that and I feel that those are in alignment with doing coaching. So, mm. you know, being able to help people to integrate or to look at themselves um, and then navigate from there, you know, giving them the tools because I think that's one of the things that are missing. A lot of people are like, I don't know how, like, how do I do this or what do I do to change? Um, and the tools are out there. I mean, there's plenty of them around, but it's knowing where to look. And so to have that uh, experience mm. and, you know, having done it to go, well, this is what I've done you know, this can help you as well. You know, it may not be the same stuff, but it may help you to guide you in, in a certain direction, give them some direction. Um, what, what is Andrew most grateful for? Being alive. <laughs> it's been, as a, like, I can't believe where my life has gone and what I've, yeah, like what I've managed to do. You know, I, I, there's moments like I, I worked for a year on yachts in, in Greece and because there was a GFC in the UK when I moved over there. So it's like, I got a yacht, you know, a 35 foot yacht. My parents came over, my brother came over, it was the first family holiday we ever had. And for two weeks we sailed around the med for free because I was working for this company. You know, I'm like, I could never afford to own a yacht, but I, you know, um, I have friends in, in New South Wales, like they'll be like, oh, I've got a micro light. Do you want to come flying for me? We, ended up driving into the middle of the outback and doing this amazing flight over the Mungo Lakes and through the, along this river system. Life is just amazing. If you open yourself up to it. If you open yourself up to it, you have to be. Yeah, that's the thing. You know? What stops it? I think we don't believe that we can do it. Like we don't, we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our decisions. And once you start taking those steps and trusting yourself, mm. you you start the magic, the magic starts happening. Um, yeah, really, I've got a story and it's a bit of a random one, but, um, it kind of, I feel it, it really showcases it. You've heard of a bush doof. So a bush doof is a, a party that they throw in the middle of the, of a, the outback somewhere. Right, yeah. Okay. So you rock up and I'd always wanted to go to one. My friends and I, we ended up going to this bush doof. Um, we didn't have tents or anything. We arrived late. It was, in this really amazing valley uh, in the Willamai National Park, um, northern New South Wales. And at about three o'clock in the morning, my friend came to me and he said, I've lost my car keys. And I was like, where have you been? He goes, I don't know. Like, I've been all over. We arrived when it was dark. He's like, they're not there. <laughs> so he ended up going to bed. And I was like, no, it's cool. We'll, like, we're going to find your keys. Don't worry about it. And the next morning, I'm sitting around a fire with some new friends and some old friends. And I'm like, who wants to come look for some car keys? And so a bunch of us walked up and as we walked around, there were these two guys in the forest and they shouted over there, like, we're looking for a tree to hug. And I really like hugging trees. It's like my, like, I'll go up and just give a tree a big hug. Like, yep. It's beautiful. Um, 
and I had been in that forest, so I was like, yeah, yeah, I like shouted at them, and I'm like, keep going, keep going, there's a big tree up there. We walked around the corner, and there was this tree that was, like, I would want to hunt this tree, so I stopped them, they were far away, I was like, come back, come back, and my friends just looked at me, and they're like, you're such a hippie, what are you doing? I was like, oh, you know, and they're like, and they walked off, and they left me, and I had this moment where I was like, do I go, do I stay? And so I stayed and spoke to these two guys, they came over, and they were like, wow, this tree's amazing, they were from Portugal, I think, um, and they said, what are you doing? I was like, oh, we're looking for my friend's car keys. And the guy looked at me, put his hand in his pocket, and he pulled the car keys out of his pocket. Okay. <laughs> How does that happen? You know, it, it blew my mind. I was like, you know, what made me, all the events that had to happen for that to fall into place, it's unbelievable, you know. And that's that's been a trend through my life, mm. you know. As a, I paid my own way through university, my car broke down. I had no money to afford to pay for my flights to, to go to the UK and earn money to come back and pay for my next year's tuition. Like I was in a bad situation. Four days later, I get a phone call from a neighboring university offering me a contract. Uh, I needed to tender to, to f- install AV gear in a, in a, for a university campus. And I put the tender in, I won the contract and I had, I made double the money I would have made overseas. It's, it's weird. Like how, like the events that happen for these things mm-hmm. to fall into place, it, it feels like there's some sort of divine guidance. Is that letting yourself go to the flow of life? I think so. Mm. When I when and I started trusting that, yourself, interest in the universe around it, and not having to know all the answers, mm. just being like okay with being there. I got in a plane and flew to the UK. I didn't have a job. After a week, I still didn't have a job, and I applied for a job doing. Um, <coughs> they were like, "Come to the interview. We'll give you free like have a beer on us." Yeah, and it's for a company that does. It's called Best Parties Ever. And they do office parties for a thousand people a night in the middle of a field, in the middle of winter, in the UK for a month. And that paid for all of my university. I went back for five years. Meeting the people that I met there in that first year, when I stepped into the unknown, I just booked a flight. I, I didn't know what I was going to. I had nothing planned. That changed my life. Like That moment was like one of the most amazing things that ever happened for me. So it's just being open and trusting Hmm. Like not having to know all the answers, not having to be over-organized. But knowing that although you don't have the answer, you trust yourself. You have the ability to... When the time's right, I'll be all right. Yes. And if it doesn't work out, I kind of feel like that's fine. You know, there's less, there's, there's always lessons to learn. There's always, Hmm. then it shifts, you know, and you go, okay, well, where am I going now? Like, where's this going to take me? I think life is about perspective. You're driving down the highway, you have an act, you like, you'll get a flat tire. What did that change in the sequence of events that were going to happen in front of you? You have no idea. But you can get upset and, and, and get really angry and have an aneurysm for, because you have, you're late for your holiday or because you, your tire pops. You wanted it to be like that. Yeah. Or you can be like, cool. I kind of look at it now and I go, well, if something happens, well, that probably saved me from something else. So I'm actually okay with that. You know, this is, it's going to change. What are some of your, you obviously move around, you're in different places. What are some of your daily habits that uh, keep focused, keep grounded? Um, so meditation is one of them. Reading, I, I'm really into reading. So um, a lot of the subjects that I'm reading are, you know, the seven habits of highly successful people. Just reading those sort of caliber of books. Yep. Um, and I find they give me perspective in life. Yep. You know? um, yoga, when I get a chance, like... I think stretching is really, really important. I feel like because we're always focused on so many things, we hold a lot of tension in our body and, and yoga mm-hmm. and meditation are really good tools to, to release that. Yeah. Um, but those are the general things that I use. 
Super. And yeah. if you could go back and have a chat with Andrew before he went on that <laughs> Mankind project, yeah, and give him one piece of advice, what would it be? Keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep stepping in, like mm. you know, listen, pay attention to what the world's telling you. Because I feel like we're always getting feedback from the universe, you know, with the people we meet, and you never know where it's going to go. And yeah, so mm. I think just keep trusting in in those choices mm. and decisions. And if there was one thing that you could just upload into the collective consciousness, so we all got what would that be? <laughs> Same thing or different? No, I think it would be do your like confront your fears, do the things like things that you've been putting off, you know, and. Just try and just take that first step and believe that that's going to make you your, the world a better place. I mean, do it for yourself, do it for your family, but ultimately it's going to have an impact on the rest of the world as well. Mm. Yeah. So it ripples out from that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so for me, I think it's like everybody just do their own stuff. You know, the rest will fall into place, but just work on yourself. Make that your priority. Mm. You know, you think that you're being selfish. I, I think a lot of people that I've spoken to have been like, oh, but I can't do that because that's, you know that's selfish and I, I need to look after all these different people. I'm like, well, this is actually something I said to my mom, you know, she spends all her time looking after all these people. And I said, well, you are really sick and your health is failing. Why don't you sort yourself out first? And then you're going to be strong enough to help more people. You know, at the moment you're barely able to, you know, do it for others. And I think that piece of, you know, like if we all just worked on ourselves, and made ourselves a priority in a non-egotistic, selfish way. Yeah. You know, like, that's what we need to do. And the rest will all, your life will change. Mm. And everybody else will be a lot happier. The world will be a better place to live in. Awesome. Yeah. So, Andrew, if, if someone listens to this and they want to hit you up for coaching, take you out for a beer, offer you some floor space, farm to job for you, how do they get in touch with you? Um, they can email me. Yeah. Um, that's probably the best way. And uh, my email address is Dunlop, D-U-N-L-O-P, A-J-1982 at gmail.com. So Dunlop, A-J-1982 at gmail.com. Super. Cool. Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. It certainly has. Thank you. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate that.